ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. Brought to you by the power of the Journey Into Comics Network. This is the Journey Into Comics Podcast. The show that's 100% dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the Podfather, Nate Phillips. The Podmaster, Brandon Stone. And the Journey Into Comics Network stepdad, Tyler McLaughlin. Time to make the Jimmy Johns. Hey. Excellent. Finally. What did you do? And here we go. Can somebody tell me what kind of a world we live in where a man dressed up as a bat gets all of my press? This town needs an enema. What on earth is that? What's up, true believers? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics. Today, it's Journey into Comics 328. Isn't that great? I'm your host, Nate. That was not meant to rhyme. But as we get to the eights, you guys always know it's kind of a thing. That's my name, Nate. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop it here. But anyways, folks, I hope you guys are doing fantastic, man. And I... Hopefully the uh, introduction of the show looks good and everything on the video side of this. I'm uh, flying solo today, as it were, and that's okay, man. Brandon was out under the weather, not feeling it. T.Y. has literally been working like a crazy dog. And let me tell you, <clears throat> I too have been working like crazy, but it's been great, man. I'm really enjoying my experience so far uh, working for the dispensary that I work for. It's it's really, really cool to uh, to be in the industry that I'm in and to have the opportunity that I have to legally sell cannabis to people. It's so weird to say. I mean, right? It's a 2020 thing, I guess. But anyways, today we are here. We've got a few things to talk about. I will not tell you that the episode's going to be long because I don't think it's going to be. Expect this to probably be a shorter boy. Just Nate riding solo today, like I said. So it's just me, my thoughts, my opinions. And let's get right to it, man. Really the biggest... Yeah, let's just go for it, man. The biggest story really coming out of this week... I mean, obviously there's wrestling news. It's gigantic and massive. And this is not Journey into Wrestling, so I'm not going to steal my own thunder and talk about the tragic news here Save that for when you guys listen later this week uh, on Journey into Wrestling. You guys will uh, definitely want to tune into that one. It's going to be a very special episode. Anyways, uh, so let's just get down to it. We had Christmas just happen, and we learned a few months ago or a month or so ago that we were getting Wonder Woman 1984 released for free on HBO Max for the first like 30 days. Uh, if you were a Mac subscriber, and they're also releasing it in theaters. So, last evening, which is Saturday as you're watching this on Sunday, uh, Facebook Livers or YouTubers, and then Monday, if you're listening to this, this was a couple days ago on Saturday. Anyways, I digress. V and I decided we were going to watch Wonder Woman 1984. We put it on. It was really, really, really great, but I was very exhausted from my day, and about two-thirds of the way through, I fell asleep. 
So today I remedied that, and as soon as I got off work, I immediately watched the rest of Wonder Woman and uh, am able to now give a more... Look at this. Train of our existence early in the show. If, if you're playing the drinking game, you know it's time to take a drink because the train of our existence is interrupted whether or not you actually heard it. I can hear it. It's in my head. It's blaring. It's ridiculous. Wouldn't it be funny if that was not real, if there was no train and then and, you know, there was like no tracks anywhere near me, but I kept saying that. People were like, I, you know, I never hear the train. And then somebody's like, yeah, it's because he doesn't live by tracks. No, I really live by tracks. There really is a train. It's the fucking worst. Anyways. So we found out we were getting Wonder Woman 1984, as you see there on the screen, uh, on HBO Max and in theaters. And let me tell you something. We watched it. V and I watched it. And like I said, I fell asleep, got up the, today, went to work, came home, flew through it, finished the, the movie, and I have thoughts. I have thoughts, and then I have counter thoughts. And this is one of those interesting situations where Brandon has predicted something to happen without even knowing he predicted it. And it's the it's kind of the Star Wars Last Jedi syndrome all over again, where before I'd even seen the movie, I kind of had a negative connotation because I had seen online reviews of other people saying things and they weren't spoiling the movie but they were saying enough to make me be like fuck man do I want to invest the two hours and change to watch this flick and ultimately I'm really glad that I did because the story is really fun it's really creative granted it doesn't really do anything for the bigger picture I think this is more of a character building movie for Diana and, and it needed to happen because now we feel this more personal pull we've seen her really struggle with and deal with the um i don't even know what the word is but the uh, the grief of the great loss of someone she really truly loved in a way that she had never experienced before uh in steve trevor so we are going to get into some spoilers i'm going to give like more of a general like threaded synopsis of the movie kind of the things that happen and whatnot so don't feel like, uh, you know, you have to stick around for this part. I'm going to be talking about other stuff later, so if you haven't watched Wonder Woman yet, go fast forward. And uh, there was a pepper in my mouth. Ugh, gross. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> just go and fucking fast forward the episode until, and listen, you'll know. If I'm still talking about Wonder Woman, because I'll be saying the words Wonder Woman and her and, and discussing Cheetah and all kind. Anyways, I digress. Get the fuck out of here if you haven't watched that movie yet. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a three, two, one. And here we go. It's spoiler time, folks. I wish I had a little thing that popped up. Spoiler time. Uh, instead, I've just got this right now. Wonder Woman 1984's logo. Anyways. So. The movie kicks off, and we get this like really cool opening scene. They did actually put this out on HBO Max. Before the movie came out, it was like kind of a little teaser, and it's young Diana going for this, uh, essentially winning this marathon-type race against other Amazonians. And the, the way fate has it, she does not win, because even though she should have won, uh, technicalities, I guess I'll say. So that happens, and you're like, okay, that's cool, interesting, and you learn about Astaria, uh, Asteria in, in that moment and kind of the backstory there. Uh, and then you get 
the in the forward times and we're in the modern era and there's like cars racing and it's about to hit this person but pow uh, all of a sudden the car misses the person and and spins out but no one gets hurt and it's like oh there's wonder woman and then there's you know other shit going on and she's interfering and saving the day and uh, there's like a heist at a essentially at a jewelry store that has an underground illegal thing being ran in through the back door. So, uh, you know, she stops the robbers uh, who are really clever. They're like, uh, we won't say anything if you don't. And they're like, fuck, well, you know that we run this illegal operation. So I guess we've got to let you in and rob us. And it's it's OK. So that, anyways, that that's like all the little tiny stuff. The main part of the story is this, is that you got this Lady Barbara who's played by Kristen Wiig, and she's, um, you know, a cryptozoologist and an anthropologist and entologist and all these ologists. She's all these ologists, and um, maybe it's ologists. I don't know. That doesn't work. Anyways, she's studying this crate of items that has been recovered from the actual robbery, these really rare items. And um, she's supposed to figure out if they're real or fake or whatever. So there's this one specific item called the Dreamstone. And Diana also works at this museum place that Barbara works. So they're kind of co-workers and they become buddy-buddy. And there's like this like buddy cop like friendship going on and real admiration. And, you know, Kristen Wiggs plays this really nerdy, like, recluse secluded character who gets overlooked by everybody even when she shouldn't because she's very good at what she does and uh essentially they come upon the dreamstone and they the one guy grabs the dreamstone he jokes he says i need a coffee and boom this guy's like hey does anybody want this extra coffee Ernest said he doesn't want it and the dude's like holy shit i got my free coffee that's crazy well People start asking for things from the Dreamstone, and Barbara has a wish. And she actually wishes to be more like Diana, which is a interesting wish when you don't really know Diana's backstory because she's just being a person at this moment. She's not in, you know, her Wonder Woman outfit or anything like that. So then you had, you know, the moment where Cal Gadot's, uh Diana has her own wish and she wishes for Steve Trevor to come back. And of course that really the science of that you're thinking like um de- he uh he died in the teens. This is the 80s, 70 years of decomposition <laughs> like I'm not thinking that's going to be such a great time. And let me tell you <laughs> the way they got around it was actually very clever and I thought it was just a really like Okay, sure. Like it's it's a comic book movie, so you got to suspend your disbelief a little bit. So she makes this wish, and his spirit, the embodiment, the spirit of Steve Trevor, finds another dude, a different dude, a not Chris Pine looking dude, and 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 takes over his body, fucking like Casper style or some shit, and essentially she through some motions and recreations of the first movie believes that it's him and can only see Steve Trevor. She can't see the embodiment, the guy he is uh, inside of. So it's this really interesting thing where you have moments with him, and that's really cool. Uh, But then you have the most interesting character of all, which is uh, Mando Lord, I mean uh, Maxwell Lord. Uh, But anyways, Maxwell Lord 
played by Pedro Pascal, who plays Mandalorian, uh, was amazing, man. Such a great villain in this movie. Did such an amazing job of just bringing the worst and bringing out the absolute darkness in all people. And the way that they played this character off was just so brilliant. The wish that he wishes was so brilliant. Like, like the whole thing was just so good. So Maxwell Lord kind of starts to, like, fall for Barbara. And, of course... The Dreamstone is in her possession, so eventually he gets it, and when he gets it, he says, I wish to be the Dreamstone, and essentially, he takes over the power of the wish and can, like, speak and has, like, a conscience, but one thing you don't know throughout the majority of the movie is, is that for every wish, there's consequences, and I think that was really clever and really beautifully done, is, like, sometimes you can, I think Metallica says it in King Nothing, be careful what you wish you just might get it. Careful what you wish, you may regret it, because sometimes you can get everything in the world that you want, but the fallout after can be bad, or or the ramifications surrounding it. There's there's all kinds of possibilities. So um, the Dreamstone having this like uh, trickster god that creates it, that essentially the stone takes from that person some way, gets really tricky because you have all these, like Maxwell Lord Smart, he goes to all the, leaders and all the powerful people and wishes for them or gets them to wish for things he knows that they want to control then get gain their own power and there's just like this city that you know the guy says he wants his family's dynasty to be fully rebuilt and like the Beijing dynasty comes back and it like fucking six foot wall around this whole thing and cuts off part of like the most uh, poverty stricken areas it was really man really cool <clears throat> And, like, the the whole thing is great. And then, of course, Diana's there, and she's got some cool battle moments. And I love the action. The way they do the action scenes are nice. I, I don't know that I'm a fan of the flying parts and some of that stuff, but I digress. There was a really cool scene where, yes, we get the invisible jet, technically. Diana's talking about how she started to learn how to use, um, I think this is where we learn about Hysteria some more, her power to uh, turn things invisible. And she eventually turns this jet invisible, and then there's some really cool moments, and they're like flying, and there's the, the fireworks because it's the Fourth of July, and it's like kind of this beautiful thing. It's really interesting. You released a Fourth of July movie during fucking Christmas, and I know it got released late and everything like that, but like, man, how cool would it have been if that would actually have been a timed thing and been the summer feel, and we were all like warm and shit, and not freezing our nut satchels off because it's you know four below, goddamn it, outside. So, you know, we get to the part in the movie where, you know, things kind of start to shift gears. Maxwell Lord is exceeding his power because the stone's starting to take from him because he's using the wishes of other people to get what he wants, but he's also deteriorating himself. It's very complex. And, you know, also Barbara is starting to evolve. She's starting to get more attractive looking and doing herself up differently and then getting to the point where she, uh, you know, she's uh, really going all out and uh, looks totally just bombastic, knocked knockout hot you know chick type thing going on and real confidence boost 3000 and then starts to be kind of evil and then you know she's there's a really interesting double dichotomy scene where like early in the movie she young like barbara when she's innocent and kind of like nerdy is walking and this guy tries to like sexually assault her and she's like ah, and fucking wonder woman saves the day and like beats dude down you know take gets him away but then, like, later, she's walking Barbara as, as like, she's, like, all confident and, like, on the verge of being Cheetah. And 
the dude is there and he says something to her and she remembers and she just starts fucking this dude up. I mean, kicking the hell out of him. And then the the homeless guy that she had helped earlier in the movie uh, is like Caesar is like, oh, hey, yo, Barbara, what are you doing? You can't be kicking this dude. Come on, Barbara. God, no, what are you doing? Like, don't be so evil. And she's just like, mind your business. And she takes off. So we're, you know, building to the climax. And, you know, there's kind of like one sprinkled moment that's really important to mention now because uh, it really hinges on the whole movie is that Maxwell Lord does have a son who he's split in custody with. He's trying to, like, show his son that he's this powerful leader. But obviously he is a, a scam. And that's kind of important to note is that everything that predicates in this movie with him is he's lying to get to where he seems like he's somebody, but he's really never fulfilled those positions. And then the wishes are turning like he's he's essentially doing this he's saying like oh leader of iran what do you want oh you want nuclear weapons wish for them oh you wished for them well in exchange i am gonna get your entire fucking security team or i'm gonna take uh, all of the oil that you have or i am going you know whatever and he's gaining wealth and 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 power and stuff himself but it's also deteriorating uh, deteriorating him and it's really interesting because Steve Trevor uh, kind of makes the correlation to Diana hey I'm your problem I because one thing that I did also men- forget to mention when they were in the in this in the really sick scene that is actually in Egypt is that uh, Diana goes to save these kids and as she's swinging with them she loses the grip of the lasso of truth and falls and rolls with these kids. And, like, really, technically, she probably would have fucked them up had they rolled like that for real. She would have bounced their head at least three or four times off the concrete like a basketball. It was awful. But anyways, um, so, yeah, that kind of thing happens. And then so she's starting to lose her powers. And Steve says, you know, I'm the reason. You wished for me, and I, I realized that. And I'm already dead, and I realized that, too. Obviously, I'm the spirit or whatever, kind of like Ghost with Patrick Swayze. And uh, he's like, listen, um, I, I'm the problem, but I don't have to be. So there's, like, a real sacrificial moment with him later on. And she, like, lets him go, and, and it's really beautiful and sad and the score is really well done i will say there was some online haters that said like the their biggest complaint was the music in the movie i loved the orchestral score of this movie it definitely made it more like a serious type film but i do also agree that sprinkling some actual 80s music in this movie would have really 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 changed the tone and really made it even better than it was uh but that's me jumping a little bit further ahead so we get to the part where, you know, um, we're coming to the climax, and Maxwell Lord has gained power with the United States government to this satellite where he's going to connect with everybody, and he's going to essentially use all these other people's wishes to refuel and replenish himself and keep himself alive. And all these people are wishing for, like, terrible shit, and badness has happened, and then, like, people are, like, wishing to be kings and for weapons, and dude wishes that this lady dies, so she, like, has a fucking heart attack, and, like, everything is going wrong. And as this is happening, Diana is running into the battle, and she, like, renounces her wish. So Steve Trevor officially cut off. She's she's gone from him. And she's like, oh, that's the key. If I can get other people to renounce their wish, I got this figured out. So, you know, she battles a bunch of military guards. She battles Cheetah, who has evolved again because Maxwell Lord gets Barbara. And essentially she just says, I want to be 
something unique, one of one, nothing like anything has ever been before. And she becomes this like hybrid cheetah, human person, super powered thing that fights Diana. And it's like this really, really pretty cool fight scene. But I will say she loses pretty weak as she does just get electrocuted in some water and doesn't kill her. It just fucks her up enough to where Diana can throw her down and out and, you know, she's knocked unconscious for a time and then Diana's like, I'm going on to bigger business. I got to fucking deal with this Maxwell Lord motherfucker. And then, so she's like, and then she gets there and there, this big cone of fucking technology is holding Maxwell Lord. And he's broadcasting to everybody to continue to make your wishes and all your wishes will come true. And people are noticing the shit they're saying is actually coming true. So more and more people are asking for more and more weirder and weirder shit. And of course, sometimes Things are overlapping, and you're, like, on the verge of nuclear war. And all of a sudden, while he's in there, you know, Diana busts in on him, hits him with the lasso of truth, and reveals to him his son, Alistair. And then, like, that breaks him. And breaks him long enough for her to really get the lasso good on him and to tell everybody, like, the truth of, like, you know, I asked for my wish, and I got it, and my one true love, like, yeah, I had to let him go again a second time. It was killer. It broke me. And uh, if I can do it, you guys can do it. But we have to renounce our wishes or the world as we know it is literally going to end because we're all going to be exploded. And it's not going to be beautiful. It's going to be a very bad time. And so things start to reverse. And, and, and then it's, she's she's pleading to Maxwell Lord, listen, you have to reverse your wish because if you stop being the Dreamstone, the Dreamstone can actually become an item that is is no longer a person with a conscience and we can get it into the hands of someone who you know can keep it safe and he does because of his kid and it's really this like fucking huge moment and shit and then his kid like says like oh, i wished for you to come here and it's like this like oh man and he it, it's kind of like liar liar he's like you're wi- you wishing it did it's not what brought me here i i came here because i wanted to be with you you know and it was it was really beautiful and powerful and you, you notice that Barbara turns back to normal and everybody's like start asking for their wishes and stuff. And, you know, oh, happily ever after, ta-da, the movie is great. And uh, then you get this really cool after credit scene where there's like, there you're walking in this random place and there's this thing that goes to collapse, but this lady catches it. And you're, and, and you're like, what the fuck? And then you turn and you're like, oh my God, no fucking way. And the lady says that she's hysteria. And you learn that it's actually... Linda Carter, who played Wonder Woman in the 70s, and it was like a humongous, incredibly amazing moment. The movie was really nicely done. It did, it de- definitely choked me up a few times. It gave me the feels. It was really, really well shot. Uh, I think the music is really the one real big dang I would give on it, is that musically the score was beautiful, but it could have had some sprinkles of more hey, we're in the 80s, there was kind of very little 80s aside from fashion and, and stuff, but it was still it was still really nice. It was really, maybe it was a little bit more of a quote-unquote quote chick flick. That's like a maybe offensive term. I'm not trying to be like that. It's just like the best way to categorize it is a movie that I think a majority of ladies will enjoy, and I think that men who have... Um, confident sensibilities about themselves and understanding what this movie is trying to portray will enjoy but i think that there is going to be a large community of the fucking macho meathead dumb fucking numbskulls that say this movie is trash and it's awful and it has no substance no stake no spirit 
I don't think so. I think this movie has a lot of spirit. I think it has beautiful taste. Like I said, I think it's Diana's journey of like self-fulfillment. She's like realizing, okay, um, Steve was my one true love, the thing I love more than anything, and now I have to go away from that and just do my own and be my own and and be okay with that. And so this really powerful. I mean, man, it's so it's like yeah, it's it's impactful as shit. So. I really did enjoy the movie. If I'm going to do some kind of a rating, I think that it really deserves a four uh, because it, it it was a good story. It did draw me in. It was um, memorable enough that I, I can tell you guys like a, a gist of the synopsis without being convoluted and having to try to like break down each thing and remember it as I go on the fly. Like I kind of knew how the movie flowed, which was really nice. It was really good. And it was really interesting, too, to feel the different sense of like, hey, this is a brand new movie that just came out and I'm watching it at home. It, 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 it was kind of weird, though, for me, though, because I kind of got the feeling of like when I watched Doctor Strange, I didn't get to see that in theaters. So uh, not seeing that in theaters and watching it for the first time streaming it was was interesting. And I got the kind of the same feels here where it was like I'm watching something for the first time that's awesome. And then I'm realizing like, Man, so many people have access to this right now. This is great. Like the the fact that there's this much opportunity to be um, you know, viewed by so many people is great. And it seemingly is doing great numbers. Uh Disney released a movie, did the same thing in the theaters and also on Disney Plus Soul. I have not watched it yet. A lot of people have said it's great. Obviously it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with what we talk about here on the show. But I digress. Listen, I loved Wonder Woman 1984. I do encourage you, if you have an opportunity to see it uh, in your home with your HBO Max account, please do. If you can go somewhere safely, socially distanced, with mask on at all times, don't be a stupid shit and sit there the whole time and try to smash popcorn just to be like, oh, ha, ha, I don't have to wear my mask. Like, Be conscious, man. You're going to be sitting in the spot for two hours with other folks you may or may not know, and who knows what shit you got on you that you may or may not know. Anyways, anyways, let's move on. We're going to talk about a couple other things here while we are in it. Uh, one thing I want to talk about with Wonder Woman is actually it's, it's Rotten Tomato score. It actually debuted certified fresh i mean certified fresh and then it kind of got tanked down to just a still fresh score of 66 percent so it's i mean it did pretty good uh you know just behind wonder woman and shazam um and it's the only movie to be certified to enter uh the only dcu entry to be fresh without the certified fresh distinction that is awarded only titles with a consistent tomato score of 75. I don't know what the fuck that even means. That's just a part of the thing they're trying to talk about. And it's here's the point. Here's the point I'm trying to make is, and I said it earlier, there are many folks who are saying this movie's trash. It doesn't have any substance. It's not very good. The villain is weak. The story is bland. Like, listen, how many times, no offense, no offense, how many times in the zeitgeist of American history or in culture as a whole have we talked about Wonder Woman's villains on the regular? We don't. And there's a reason for that. And it's not that they're bad. It's just that they aren't cream of the crop, creme de la creme. Sometimes you're fighting lesser B, C, D side villains. And this is just an uh, this is just a real poignant moment where Sometimes, even if you have a great actress and a great story, 
you're not going to draw everybody in. And I thought Kristen Wiig did a great job. I thought her evolution as a villain was amazing. I thought her redemption at the end was well done. I think that Diana's uh, building blocks, and and the really cool thing about this is too is you got to think building blocks now. This movie takes place before she shows up in Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, right? So that means that this that means like twenty or so years later, twenty five years later, or whatever it is, Diana is still like this just very attractive, well put together woman who has these very poignant goals she's trying to 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 pick off. But this time she's super hyper focused. So we're getting that fill in now. Wonder Woman three might happen. There's some rumors it might happen. I don't know if it'll happen, but it might happen. And if it does, they say it's most likely going to be set in the modern time, which could mean it takes place after Justice League. could take place during Justice League somehow. I don't know, maybe. But I digress. The tomato score is really interesting. We talk about that a lot. Like I said earlier, you know, Brandon uh, kind of unintentionally said that other movies were going to suffer from that a lot, where... Some people love it, other people hate it, and then I think that the people that hate it say so much that it affects people who want to like it. And then they don't even get a chance to like something they might have liked because they come in with this negative view. I mean, Vulture said it was an empty spectacle. I don't know if that's true. The Atlantic says it was refreshingly silly and an airy adventure that makes the marks charming into a tiring year of cinema. I mean, that's that's cool. Those are nice reviews. You know, some of the bad reviews are just, you know, like I said, empty spectacle and show and, uh, makes for the showing the, the dire state of Hollywood filmmaking as a whole. Like, that's not true. I thought Wonder Woman was well done. Like, stop trying to dig your heels in and and get the fucking headline to hype people up. You know, yeah, you guys have costed it certified fresh status, but I think there's still a lot of people that really enjoyed the movie, and I'm one of those people, so fucking haters gonna hate, bro. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm actually shouting out something, because I don't know anything about it, but the poster looked really dope, and um, I figure this is a good way to shine some light on you know, a project that maybe needs some light shined on it. We do like to help Kickstarters and other people who are trying to crowdsource crowdfund uh their project so let's talk about it uh bat in the sun they are the creators of the fan favorite mashup videos like superpower beatdown and online series ninjack versus the valiant series are prepping for another batman fan film with batman dying is easy ahead of their release of the film which has previously raised over fifty-seven thousand dollars on indiegogo an official poster for the fan film has been released online and Dying is Easy, we'll see actor Kevin Porter return to the part of Batman, having played the role for Bat in the Sun production since 2005, going up against Aaron Schoenke, who will also be playing the part of the Joker. Their official description of the fan film on their Indiegogo campaign, they describe the film as the following. We want to create a short film featuring the Dark Knight and the Clown Prince, locked in a battle of words that gives us an in-depth look at their complex characters. This is something we have yet to see in live action. We want to give fans something they've always craved with these characters. A psychological dark detective story with an almost horror film feel. This film is created by fans for the fans. This film will feature all original costumes, sets, and musical score. 
And, you know, the, the poster's pretty basic. It's obviously a Batman poster, so he's on the front. He's kind of angled. He's pointing, you know, angly. The moon's over his shoulder. Uh, the Batman logo's down the bottom. Dying is easy, you know. Uh, and I think you guys should check it out. It looks cool. I'm excited. I want to go throw them some bones and give them some some dinero to possibly fund their their project. I've got the the burps, my goodness, or the hiccups, or some combination of the both. It's definitely that pizza I ate earlier. Holy cow! Uh, all right, so let's get into it. We have some Marvel stuff, and the Marvel stuff, guys. Uh, I'm gonna start with kind of a little bit of a rant here. Not, I don't even know if it's a rant. I don't even know how I feel about this. I posted about it. But listen, if you watch our show, if you listen to our show, if you check our show out on any different places that you can check the podcast out on, you know that last week, if you listen to last week's episode, that's JIC327, that I said, and I quote, Giancarlo Esposito should definitely play Doctor Doom in the MCU on Sunday before this past Christmas week happened. So it was Sunday the 20th. Color me surprised when days later, all over the internet, it's starting to do this kind of steamrolling thing where it's saying that there are odds now that Giancarlo Esposito is odds-on favorite to be fucking Doctor Doom? What? What? Like, come on. It's very strange to me. I am just a speculator, and that's what I do. I love speculating and saying, man... These are the fan castings I would love to see, and these are some of the stories I'd like to see them tell. And if I had this cast and this story, this is kind of where I would try to drive the narrative, you know, because that's that's fun. That's the guessing game of of this of this of this game that we love of comic movies and and, and comic stories as a whole in all the mediums that they are in. So color me surprised when they're saying something that I suggest becomes like this thing that just like clicked with everybody. It's very strange to me. I think it is a very, very, very solid choice. Somebody said, don't you need someone younger? I don't think so. I think you don't need to be ageist and worry about Giancarlo being older. He's going to do what he's going to do, and he's going to kill it regardless. He is a phenomenal actor, and he would do a great job. Think, imagine him as Doctor Doom. Gus Doom Fring, Doctor Doom Fring Gus. You know what I'm trying to say. That whole energy and vibe of like that, I'm a very gentle businessman, but when I need to get my fucking hands dirty, I'll slit a motherfucker's throat in front of you and have somebody else clean the mess up. You know, and, and you know... Although my only demise is Hector Salamanca and that goddamn bell. Anyways, so it's really cool to see that, you know, people are about that. I do hope it happens, uh, especially speaking of all the Marvel shit. And let's talk about that for a minute. I figured, and this is, as I said, a shorter episode. But we have a bunch of stuff coming out. We've got WandaVision. We've got Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Of course, these are all coming out 
2021. So we've got WandaVision in January of 2021. Falcon and the Winter Soldier in March of 2021. Uh, Morbius is also in March of 2021, which is interesting. I wonder if that'll get bumped or, or shifted at all. Uh, we've got Black Widow coming out in May of 2021. Uh, Loki sometime in this coming summer. We'll see when. I would say probably July, but we'll see. We've got uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, coming out June 25th. Uh, Shang-Chi comes out July 7th of 2021. Uh, the What If animated series from Marvel on Disney Plus comes out in fall of 2021. Eternals is November 5th of 2021. Um, the Miss Marvel series sometime late 2021, I would assume Christmas or Christmas-ish time, especially with some of the set pictures, it just seems like that's what's going to happen. Hawkeye is going to probably be in that same time frame. It could be January of 2022, but they're anticipating it in 2021. We're definitely getting Spider-Man uh, 3, which we're going to be talking more about here in a minute, December 17th of 2021. Uh, She-Hulk is coming out early 2022, which is going to be awesome. Bring in Mark Ruffalo's Hulk and Tim Roth's Abomination in. We've got um, Moon Knight coming out early 2022. Oscar Isaac's possibly going to be playing the role. We haven't got that officially confirmed, but that is still the rumor. Uh, then we got the big one, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We know Sam Raimi directing that movie. We know Scott Derrickson stepped away. He had, um, I don't even know what the word I would use is. He had, hmm, creative differences, but I think more Marvel was saying, hey, like, we need this movie to kind of deliver X because of what it's going to set up. And he was like, oh, man, but I had this story for this. And it was going to be more this. And they're like, but we have to. We have to do this because we're trying to world build here. And he was like, nah, man, I don't want to work with you and do that. I want to do my own thing. So, and, and he's actually kind of even said he likes doing smaller stuff. So good on him for, you know, being true to himself. Uh, in May, we've got Thor Love and Thunder, which is exciting. Very much so, especially considering we're going to have uh, members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher, Return of Valkyrie, Jane Foster, who's probably going to be Thor, what is what we see uh, happening for this one. Black Panther 2, which obviously has this large lingering question of Chadwick Boseman's passing. What will they do? Will Shiri take the rollover? Was this always the plan? Uh, what could happen? And, you know, there are some people that are throwing out the rumor it could be Namor being the main villain of the movie. Which would be interesting, because then you could actually set up his own movie out of this movie and even get another hero into the universe that, again, you create this bigger and better story. So we'll have to see. July of, of 22 is when that one's coming out. We've also got uh, Blade coming out October 7th, uh, possibly, of 2022. That's mainly based on a rumor so it's just because it's so close to halloween it's a horror movie it's the first time that marvel would be releasing any of their mcu movies in the month of october i'm pretty sure is how i've seen that written and uh it just seems sensible for them to be putting 
that movie there. So look for that possibly in October of 2022. Captain Marvel 2 is coming out in November of 2022. We've got the Armor Wars series. It's going to be on Disney Plus, I do believe. Uh, am I? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think so. But that's going to be uh, coming out in 2022. Ironheart is going to be coming out as a Disney series in 2022. Secret Invasion's coming out in 2022 as another Disney series, a Disney Plus event series. The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special will be holidays of 2022. And, of course, that's being filmed in uh, conjunction with uh, the Guardians 3 movie, which we will be getting Guardians 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and the Fantastic Four quite possibly in a very, very similar same time frame, maybe even in the same year, 2023. Beyond that, we've got, you know, other movies that are rumored and stuff and, and series that have been announced that we, you know, don't have enough information on yet. But I am really, really genuinely looking forward to everything Marvel throws at us. And actually, a lot of people are kind of saying it, and this makes a lot of sense to me, is that the rumors are that Sam Raimi played a really large role and convincing the stars who were in the Spider-Man series uh, for him to actually return to become what is shaping up to be the live-action Spider-Verse that we're most likely going to get in Spider-Man 3 and in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So I'm really, I'm really excited for what's to come in the MCU, especially with when you look ahead and you see all the great things that are coming. And the building blocks they're trying to put out, you know, you, you can't help but have a grin and a smile and know, like, man, 2021 is going to be stacked, 2022 is going to be stacked, 2023 is going to be stacked. And that's all the stuff I just said is only in the next three years. So that's, I mean, that's really mind-boggling in and of itself as well. That we're going to get this much Marvel content um, is, is really cool. It really is, and and as as fans, we have to be appreciative, and I'm sure we're going to get reviews, and there's going to be some series that do great, some series that flounder, some series we love, some series we hate, but I, I just really think that as fans, we are going to have an opportunity to to really see the sandbox as they've always wanted to show us, and as technology continues to evolve and change, we're going to get to see these stories in an even more unbelievable, incredible manner. So uh, I think maybe that's a beautiful place to leave it on today. I'm going to actually, before we officially get out of here, I like to do this sometimes because you never know. You never know what kind of all of a sudden crazy headlines are going to pop out. It actually really doesn't look like any headlines popped while we were recording this show. So uh, I guess we're going to go ahead and do the old... Uh, Wrapping it up and getting on out of here. As always, folks, I want to first of all thank everybody listening and tuning in and joining us for every episode of the show. It is an honor and a pleasure and something that I um, I hold really dear to my heart, this thing called podcasting. As I sit here today, we're only a few short weeks away for what is going to be the seven-year anniversary of this show, which is absolutely unbelievable, and I don't even, I can't, I, I'm flabbergasted is the word. Seven years, that's just, that's crazy to me, but uh, that goes without saying, I'm not going to sit and reminisce, we're not going to play that game today, you guys know where you can check out the podcast, if you're an audio listener, you're going to go to Apple Music, Amazon Music, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcast, or listen on your phone on YouTube, you can do that as well, just search Journey into Comics Network, 
Journey into Comics Network. That's where you get our feed of all our awesome shows with the other shows that we have on the network. We're a little bit light right now because coronavirus is destroying everything, but hopefully soon we will all be able to record and do things in a much larger, better capacity. I'm really enjoying this video thing. It's becoming a, a really, really fun thing to to be able to do so thank you guys for tuning in as always if you're watching on facebook live share the hell out of this it's probably a pretty bad time to tell you to share it now that it's over but please put it out there we do appreciate it thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode of journey into comics i'm not really sure yet what i'm going to call this episode um i have no idea so i'm not even going to try right now but anyways for this episode of Journey into Comics. This has been Journey into Comics 328. I'm Nate, and as always, pop your caps back and fill your brains. Oh, you know it. Give it to me. Oh, wait, wait. Are you ready? With shit. Later, guys. <laughs>